This is the Koinos Community Church Podcast. Subscribe so that you can join us regularly as we look to find ways to close the gap between who we are and who God longs for us to be. Hello, good morning. So my name is Emily Hershey, and this is my third time solo teaching here at Koinos, which I find to be crazy. But I've also um, spoken with my husband a couple times about our passion for story and stories. So recently it has been on my heart to talk about this idea of heroes. So we're actually going to start off today with discussion, and the question is, Who is your hero and why? So you can talk with someone next to you. You can do a small group if you want to or just one other person. I'm going to set the timer for about five minutes. Uh, We might come back a little bit earlier than that. But then Amanda will be around with the mic if you would like to share. The only rule is you can't say Jesus. Okay? Go would like to share what they talked about there's no right or wrong answers except for Jesus because <laughs> I'm going to talk about Jesus no. um, my hero is my nephew kind of in conjunction with his mother my sister uh, my nephew passed away at the age of 45 but at, and he and I were only eight years apart because I was a young oops baby and he was like the golden boy, handsome, charming, athletic, bright, uh, was on his way. He had gotten a really good job when it was on, he was in the Carolinas. He was on his way to, a, to a, an appointment, and he, somebody had hit him head on, and it was a hit-and-run accident. And he was thrown from the car and broke his neck and was paralyzed from the chest down. So he was a quadriplegic. And, and I remember going, when the accident occurred, I flew down, and I remember looking at him and just thinking, God, why don't you just take him? And he recovered and did things that, that they told him he'd never do. He, he got a job. He got married. Um, he drove a car. His faith was incredible. And there was an article done on him in Florida. That's where he lived. But, and Governor Bush gave him, a, who was governor at that time, gave him a, a declaration. And in the article, he said, if I hadn't had my accident, my life would never have has been would have ne- would have never been as good as it was. So when when you walked into a room with him, you you could just feel the peace and the faith uh, that he had. He was just incredible. And then he was in a wheelchair, you know, most of his life, and just passed away because when you're in that condition, people don't usually live that long. But he lived over 20 years, and was just he. So he's my hero. Whenever I feel like I'm having a whiny day, I smack myself in the head and think of him. Thank you for sharing. I, the commonality in the people that we chose was um, the selflessness. Mm-hmm. People that, both of our choices are, are people that think of others before themselves and do for others. And, and that's kind of like a, a good aspect, I think, of a hero. Mm-hmm. Now, did you, may I ask, did you pick personal people in your life? 
Yes. Both of you? Okay. I, I picked my aunt, and she picked um, her husband and, my dad. and her dad. Thank you. But, uh, yeah. One more person. Anybody? Did anybody pick someone who was not like a personal someone that they know? Dave's the only one. <laughs> That's cheating because he. You yeah. <laughs> knew what I was going to talk about. So. Not really, but I guess um, I don't have a choice, do I? I mean, we we didn't get to the personal people. We were mentioning a number of people. Um, we brought up as a group Martin Luther King Jr., mm -hmm. um, which is appropriate since tomorrow is the day remembering him. Um, I also mentioned Johnny Cash just because I recently read a biography of his, and I really think that there's not many people that are that authentic and can move in the circles he moved in without being, like, fake. Um, and he, you know, just the combination of, like, faith and addiction to drugs and all the other things and the person that he was um, was someone that I admire because I think we all strive as people of faith to, I don't know, not fit the stereotypical, like, weird Christian um, I don't know, and he is someone I think that did that. So, but that yeah, we talked about other people as well. So, thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, all of you, for sharing about your heroes. I figured a lot of people would probably talk about um, someone that they knew, their mom or something like that. Um, uh, so that's awesome. I am going to share a little bit about two people I personally admire. These are not people I personally know, but they are, I guess, celebrities, if you will. Um, if you don't know these women, um, they were each first lady of the United States. On the left is Barbara Bush, and on the right, uh, sorry, on the left is Barbara Bush, wife of President George H.W. Bush, if you don't know, and on the right is Michelle Obama, wife of President Barack Obama. Barbara Bush passed away in 2018, and Michelle Obama is still active in public service and has just published her second memoir. I was only 10 when Bush was in her last year as First Lady, but when she passed, I read one of her biographies because I wanted to find more out more about um, her passion and work for literacy, which is a personal um, passion of mine, something near and dear to my own heart. So from reading her book, I grew to admire her tenacity, her conviction, and her commitment to her own values and beliefs. Michelle Obama inspires me because of how she came from a humble yet nurturing home life, then to be thrust into the public sphere to places where she was not always welcome. She carries that humble upbringing with her, and she stays down to earth and compassionate. Reading her memoirs for me is like sitting down to have coffee with a friend. And of course, I'm in awe of both of these ladies for their grace under pressure, their love and care for their families, and for their leadership. And I'm a little bit fascinated by what it must have been like to have so many things expected of you, despite not really choosing that spotlight for yourself. Isn't it great that we have so many wonderful people in our lives who have come before us or who are living alongside us now in whom we can see ourselves, but who also guide us to be better people? Of course, I also recognize that my heroes have flaws, right? They're human. 
I can see in the good in them and what they have to teach me about life without getting caught up in that myth of perfection. Recently, a podcast came out about how American schools teach reading. Let me show my, my nerd side here. Sorry. Um, I'll spare you the details, all the details of it, but for a little context, for many, many years, there has been a debate in the teaching of reading, which revolves around whether we should teach words as a whole or use phonics, which breaks down words into letters that represent sounds. Nowadays, everyone pretty much agrees that phonics is superior to whole word methods because of how our brains work, but current iterations of this debate still abound. In its most simplistic form, it's kind of like, should we only let kids read books that they can phonetically decode until they learn more parts of the code? Or should we surround kids with books and let them pick up this code as they go? Or should we do both? The reason I bring up this podcast is not to talk about reading, but it got me thinking about this idea of heroes. So one of the messages of this podcast is that over the years, some of the ideas around teaching reading that we now know to be questionable have continued to persist because they have been promoted by leaders that people in the field of education greatly admire. An idea became a program, became a curriculum, which was sold to teachers and schools by people trusted and admired by educators, people they saw as heroes, really. And now these leaders are being criticized. People who have been treated by heroes by many have now been called into question, which has led many educators to either question themselves and their loyalties, or maybe even to double down on what they've always believed and done and not be open to new ideas. So here's another debate for you. Which coffee is best? If you're out and you have to go get coffee, where are you going to go? Go ahead. I see you Dunkin' drinkers out there. I hear Wawa and Sheets. No Starbucks or Dunkin'? Oh, I knew we had some Dunkin' people. Starbucks. Okay. All right. Um, so honestly, Dunkin' is, is probably the, the last on my list, uh, at least of those three. Um, but it might just be because I'm bitter from years of lo- the long line of cars turning left into the parking lot from Penn Avenue on my way to church. Anyway, um, we all have our opinions, right? We all have our loyalties. If you're out and you're a Starbucks drinker, you're not going to go to Dunkin' or Wawa probably, right? You've got to find a Starbucks, okay? So maybe you fall in a different camp, Maybe you fall into the just-gotta-have-my-coffee-or-else camp. (laughs) Homebrew, as Dave would call it, or I don't know if that's the proper term, but just whatever is at home, right, as long as it's coffee, we're good, okay? And then I've met a lot of non-coffee drinkers. It it surprises me, but um, they are out there. So if that's you, uh, maybe you have another drug of choice. So whether it's a person, an idea, a brand, or that thing we need to get through our day, what happens when it falls short? Do we turn away and look for a new hero to replace it? 
or do we double down on our loyalty? Healthy hero admiration, like you all shared at the beginning, grounds us. It centers us. It can give us a goal to aim for, or it can give us hope for our own future. But when does healthy hero admiration become toxic idol worship? When the Netflix documentary Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey came out, I devoured it. If you are familiar with the FLDS or the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints, you know that things came to a head for this dangerous cult in the early 2000s when their leader, Warren Jeffs, was arrested and later convicted. Children were also confiscated from the FLDS compound in Texas on the grounds of abuse, an event that received a lot of media coverage. Since watching the documentary, I have read five books on the topic, uh, mostly memoirs of cult survivors. Carolyn Jessup is a survivor whose assistance was crucial to the FBI investigations. In her second book, Triumph, which is on the screen, she details what happens after the raid, as well as provides inspirational words based on what she learned from her experience. One of the saddest and most fascinating parts of her story for me was that her daughter, Betty, actually returned to the FLDS on her own after the family had escaped. This, of course, has been a source of suffering for her mother. Betty was not able to tolerate a life outside of captivity. This is how strong a hold the FLDS leadership and culture of fear had on her. My family and I just watched the Simpsons episode, The Joy of Sect. I know that's a little rough transition, but I'll I'll come back to it, don't worry. Um, In this episode, Homer becomes brainwashed by a cult called the Movementarians. Of course, the running joke on the Simpsons is that Homer is gullible and is always trying to get his family, is always getting his family into bad situations that the smarter female members of the family have to get him out of. In this episode, Lisa, ever the voice of reason and truth, calls out her teacher after the students in the class answer every question with, the leader. However, her teacher says that she is surprised, as she always thought that Lisa was such a good student. She asks her, don't you care about your grades? It is at this moment that Lisa falls in line and is effectively brainwashed by the leader. After all, she is nothing without her grades. While this episode is parodying the cult experience, the purpose is not to minimize the seriousness of real cults or abusive situations. Obviously, the FLDS is a serious um, uh, group in a negative way, right? And there was a lot of abuse that happened. But I think the way The Simpsons works, what they do well, is that by focusing on the outlandishness of this fake cult, we're able to kind of see ourselves. We're able to realize that it's not just these leaders or dictators that we would say, oh, I can't imagine anybody would want to follow them, um, that we can worship. It is ordinary things, right, like grades or coffee. 
So I haven't read any scripture yet, you may have noticed. I'm actually going to read a passage from Matthew in a few minutes. I'm going to ask that you follow along, but that you also take some time to kind of meditate or reread. So if you have a Bible app on your phone or a good old-fashioned Bible, that would be helpful in a couple minutes. But first, a story. Some of you may remember that God called and sent Moses to free the Israelites from the oppression they were suffering under King Pharaoh in Egypt. As part of the process of freeing the Israelites, God taught them how to eat and how to live. Escaping was grueling work, but the Lord protected them along each step of the way and brought them to safety. Despite this, the people were unhappy. God gave them all the food and water they needed, but still they fussed. God gave the people the commandments, telling them to put no other gods before God and make no idols. As Moses was receiving the law from God, the people became impatient. They took all the people's gold, burned it down, and created an idol, a golden calf. After all the Lord had done for them, the people still created a false god. They were not satisfied with what they could not see or touch. They easily forgot their prior bondage and exchanged their freedom for a shiny object that made them feel good in the moment. In the book Jesus for President by Shane Claiborne and Chris Hall, the authors talk about this idea of slavery and freedom in light of Jesus and in application to our consumer culture today. Here's a quote from the book. They say, Jesus is ready to set us free from the heavy yoke of an oppressive way of life. Plenty of wealthy Christians are suffocating from the weight of the American dream, heavily burdened by the lifeless toil and consumption we embrace. This is the yoke from which we are being set free. And as we are liberated from the yoke of global capitalism, our sisters and brothers in Guatemala, Liberia, Iraq, and Sri Lanka will also be liberated. Our family overseas who are making our clothes, growing our food, pumping our oil, and assembling our electronics, they too need to be liberated from the empire's yoke of slavery. Their liberation is tangled up with our own. The new yoke isn't easy. It's a cross for heaven's sake. But we carry it together, and it is good and leads us to rest especially for the weariest traveler. I'm now going to read from Matthew 6. Part of it's going to be on the screen, but I'm going to be reading a a large chunk from verses 19 through 34. So if you want to kind of start with 19 um, as you follow along, or you can just listen. Um, After I read, I'm going to set the timer for about, actually, we're going to have a song that's about three minutes long, so I don't need to set a timer. But that background music will allow you to reread it if you want to, to pray or to meditate on the scripture. And as you do so, I want you to consider the scripture in light of that idea of heroes versus idols. And then after that time, I'll give you some of my takeaways, but I want you to kind of just individually think about what you would take away um, in that idea, again, of heroes versus idols. There's a lot in this section, so there's a lot we could pull out, um, so just to give you something to focus on. All right, so Matthew 6, 19. 
Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more, far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I would encourage you, uh, if you didn't have quite enough time, to read this passage again, to talk about it with a friend or family member. I'm going to share a couple takeaways that I gleaned from this. Again, just thinking about that idea of, of idol worship. Um, so to me, this idea of unquestioned loyalty, so unquestioned loyalty to a person, to an idea, to a brand, or a convenience, or kind of fill in the blank there, can do a couple things. Number one, it, it can blind us to reality, right? So I want you to think about, like, does your loyalty to one of these things or people prevent you from hearing what others might have to say? Are you so attached to one of these things or ideas or people that you are not open to learning from God in any situation? So the challenge would be to consider giving up one of your must-haves for a time or trying something new with a friend, not being unwilling to do something that uh, you're like, oh, I would never do that or I would never change this thing or I would never try something new, right? Or have an honest dialogue with someone whose loyalties are different from yours, 
Another thing it can do if we have unquestioned loyalty is strip us of our freedoms. Do your heroes, like a lot of you uh, shared in the beginning, do they inspire you to live a life like Christ? Do they encourage you to be free, to be who you are? Or do they bind you to their way of life? That would be the toxic side. Do you feel hopeless without that person telling you what to do or believe or without that must-have convenience to get you through the day? Um, Heroes are great, right? So is coffee. God wants us to live joyful lives. But none of these things are a replacement for Jesus and the fulfillment of a life lived in Christ. For me, personally, I tend to spend a lot of time worrying and then spiraling into if-I-onlys, right? Like, if I only do this then I won't have to worry about this so much, right? And then I'm still worrying, so i got to do this other thing. I've tried this other thing, and then maybe that will help me to, to worry less, right? So I need to continually recenter myself through spiritual practices to calm my anxious mind. So my challenge for you is to identify an idol in your life and pray for your worship to center on Jesus so you might experience the freedom that Jesus gives. Please allow me to pray for you. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the amazing people in our lives that inspire us to be more like you and to live life to the fullest. Help us to enjoy all the blessings you have given us, Lord, but open our eyes to times when we look to people, ideas, brands, or conveniences instead of you for fulfillment or freedom. I pray that we would seek your kingdom above all else and trust in you to give us what we need. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Koinos podcast. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share it. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at CC and on YouTube at Koinos Community Church. Until next time, be well, do good, and love others.